the classes, but um, I actually think it's pretty cool when everybody in the back's talking, and, and uh, it sounds almost like we did it on purpose, you know, when, uh, when everybody in the background's talking, and, uh, and all of a sudden I come on the live stream and say, welcome, it's uh, class number 26, so, but yeah, <laughs> like on the prices right or something, so anyway, praise God. All right, well, welcome, and uh, appreciate uh, all of you being here, and those of you who are joining us online, uh, both here locally and uh, state of Alabama and, and other places, and so we are uh, excited about the class uh, tonight, class number 26, What is Man?, and we are finally at a three-dimensional being, and um, I told some of the ladies, we've got uh, some that are here for the first time uh, tonight, and I told him if you were only going to come to one, you came to the right one. And um, I'm, I'm not trying to like overhype this, but th legitimately, like you know how like you you wake up and it's your birthday, and or you wake up and it's Christmas, or you wake up and it's like some special day that you're excited about in your life. I am not kidding you. And I woke up this morning, one of the first things that I was like, it's it's Stickman Theology Day. I'm like, it's like, you know, it's. Uh, <laughs> I told uh, I told brother. Buell, um, they got here a little early, and, and uh, I told him, I said, you know, if I could only teach, like somebody said, right, you've got one out of the 36 classes, you have to choose one and, and teach that one, this would be the one, um, no doubt. And, and I say that because the things that uh, I'm going to pass along to you that the Lord has uh, taught and continues to teach me uh, tonight are among the things that have changed my life in very substantial and significant ways. Uh, understanding spirit, soul, and body is a master key to understanding the Bible, to understanding God, to understanding your life. And so obviously I get very, very excited about the opportunity to share these things with folks. So, amen. Let's pray and, and we'll get right to it. Father, thank you tonight for those who are with us in the room, those who are watching online. Lord, thank you for all that you're doing in our lives and all that you're doing through us. Father, I thank you that we are both the object of, of your love and affection. And then, Lord, you also have empowered us to pass your love and affection on uh, to others. Father, I thank you that, that as we come to your word tonight, we come humbly. We approach it with a spirit of, of reverence and awe and, and meekness, Lord to receive your word engrafted into our lives. Lord, I pray tonight that, that your word wouldn't just change the way we see things, the way we think, but it would literally change our very personalities, Father. Lord, thank you for your great love. Thank you for the power that resides in your word. And thank you, Father, tonight that no weapon formed against us will prosper. Satan, we bind you and cast you out in Jesus' name. And Lord, I thank you tonight that we are free to receive and to hear and to grow up together into Jesus in all things. And we pray this in his name, his matchless name. And everybody said, amen. amen and amen and amen. So one more time, let me put the title slide up uh, for uh, those uh, maybe just joining us online. Uh, I know the same title slide as last week, only change is the number, but we uh, were ambitious in thinking that we would get to this last week and we did not get to this subject matter, which I think it's maybe worked out for the best to just start uh, on this uh, fresh. So um, let me uh, just real quick uh, review. We're answering this question, what is man? And we said we gotta know what we are in order to know who we are, and we gotta know who we are in order to know why we are. Identity unlocks destiny. You living your destiny is the sweet spot of life. Doing what you were put on this earth to do, 
uh, with the people that you're supposed to be doing it with. Uh, again, this is the, the, the high point uh, of life, and it's what people uh, are searching for, whether they know how to say that or not. So you say, well, then why don't you just, great, just go straight to it and tell us uh, why we are. It's because why you are is so much bigger than anything you have been able to comprehend or even imagine. Uh, you got to know you got to know who you are before you can handle why you are, and then you, before you can even know who you are, you got to know what you are. So we're answering this question: What is man? We've said that man is a God-class being. Number two, we've said man is a spirit being. Number three, we said man is legal authority on earth. And then I warned you when we started number four that it could take up quite a few classes, and it did. But man is a being created in the image and likeness of God. And, of course, we just finished up looking at some different characteristics and abilities that we have uh, because we were created uh, to look the way God looks and to function the way that God functions. And uh, then finally now, tonight, number five, what is man? Man is a three-dimensional being. Man is a three-dimensional being. So let's look at our first verse uh, for this class, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. It's a passage that uh, we have referenced many times. And w there's a rule in Scripture called the, the law of first mention. And, and what that means is the first time uh, a subject is mentioned in the Scriptures, you need to pay very, very, very close attention to it because it, it, this may be an odd way of illustrating this, but the way the legal system works and case precedent. So when people argue cases before the Supreme Court, they you know, look at other cases that are related and, and, this, and this sort of thing. So the law of first mention means that the first time something is mentioned in Scripture, it's going to set the precedent for all the other times that it's mentioned moving forward. So that's one of the reasons we have referred back to this particular verse over and over and over again. So Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And for the sake of our class tonight, I want to draw your attention to the plural pronouns. Um, God did not say, Let me make man in my image. But instead, God said, let us make man in our image. So us and our being plural pronouns as opposed to me and my. And so what we know, of course, is that this is the first mention that we have, if you will, of God being a trinity. Now, there are those who say, and I, I to some extent agree with that, that, that the concept of God being three yet one uh, has an element of mystery to it. Well, th that would be accurate, I guess, but uh, in the same way that other spiritual things have an element of mystery to it. And this is what we see in Hebrews 11 to answer this dilemma of, well, this is a mystery, who can understand it? And it says this, by faith we understand. Uh, and in, in the context of Hebrews 11, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that everything we can see came from a place that we can't see. And so we understand it by faith. That's not check your brain at the door and pretend like it's this way when it's really not. Understanding something by faith enables us to transition outside of what our meat computers can process, right? And understand something with the heart because faith is a function of the heart. So understanding something by faith means you understand it here and even if it doesn't make sense to the brain or to the meat computer yet. 
And so how do you understand something by faith? You understand it by faith because faith, by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, and it's that way because God says that that's, it's that way. Amen. And I know for some folks that's just like, well, that's just another way of saying check your brain at the door. No, because when you begin to understand something by faith, it is a legitimate and, and very deep understanding, uh, a very legitimate and deep knowing where you just, you know it, as my mama used to say, you know it in your knower. You, you know it in, inside of you. And so that's understanding with the heart. And so when the, when the scriptures say that, that God is three yet one, he is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, we have covered this in previous classes, and I know some of you may not have been here for those classes. I'm not going to really dig really deeply into that, but we see different places in Scripture where all three uh, uh, persons of the Godhead are, uh, are at work. And the classic would, would be, uh, Jesus on earth as a man being baptized by John the Baptist, the Holy Spirit descending upon him and landing upon him as a dove, and God the Father speaking from heaven, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So we see it's not, it's not I have to be careful here because we could go 45 minutes on this, all right? because it's, it's, it's important, obviously, the person of God and, and the Godhead. But it's not God sometimes as Father and then at other times as Spirit and then at other times uh, he presents himself as the Son. Now, it's three different persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And each one are without beginning, without ending. Um, they are not men. God is not a man. We sometimes try to relate to God and understand God as being just another man, and he's not. God's not a man. He's, he's a being uh, higher than us. He's a being that, that, that has the capacity to create a man. Amen. And that's our God. Amen. That's the God that we know, love, and serve. So when he says, let us make man in our image, we know that he's talking about a three while at the same time one God. And we've used different examples. Time is an, is an example of this. Uh, time is comprised of three elements, past, present, and future. Uh, if you take one of those away, you can't have time. We've used the example uh, of H2O, which, as you know, that's water. But water can be liquid. That's what we often think of when we think of water. But water can also be vapor, steam, and then water can also be solid or ice. And so when it's, you know, in your iced tea and it's solid, it's still ice. It's, it's, I'm sorry, it's still H2O. It's just a, a different form. And because it's a different form, it serves a different purpose or has a different function. Now, that's, that can only get you close. Natural things can only get you close to spiritual things. Uh, and then you, of course, have to take a leap of faith if, if you're going to embrace this, this truth, this reality, if you will, that God is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, there are other things we know about God. God is love, and we've covered that. And for Him to be love, there, there would have to be more than one person uh, in the Trinity because love can't exist uh, just you know, for one person. There has to be others for Him to express that love for. So three forms and three functions. So we, we start looking for things on planet Earth to try to better understand how something could at the same time be one and three and then at the same time be three and one. And, and so that leads us to these different concepts of, of time or, or H2O. But the, the actual, um, <laughs> or I should say the greatest representation of a three yet one uh, being uh, is stares back at you from the mirror every morning. It's you, amen, um, because you are three 
but at the same time you are one. And you are one, but at the same time you are three. And of course, what we know then is that a triune God, a triune God, triune, tri meaning three, un meaning one, so triune, three yet one, a three yet one, a triune God created you as a triune being. So notice now, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Um, God functions as a three yet one being, uh, and so he created you as a three yet one being. All right, the Holy Spirit's prompted me a couple of times on this, and, and um, I should have done it when he, when he prompted me the first time. So let, let's go back to it, and I hope you don't tire of hearing it. Um, but for, if you tire of hearing it, just think about other folks who maybe haven't heard this yet or haven't quite embraced this reality yet, okay? So many people on planet Earth are trying to resolve advanced life problems without basic life understanding. Uh, marriage is an advanced life condition. And people are struggling in their marriage, which is an advanced life condition, because they do not have basic life understanding. Uh, addiction, recovery, addiction is an advanced life problem. People are trying to resolve an advanced life problem without basic life understanding. And for that matter, I mean, there's all kinds of things in our lives that we're trying to be successful in, we're trying to be victorious over, we're, we're, we're trying to rise above, you know, things like self-control and, and all this other stuff. And yet we do that without basic life understanding. And this, you know, truth, this reality that you are a three-dimensional or a three-yet-one being is among the most important basic life understanding that, that you could ever, you know, be given, you could ever be presented with. Okay, so, amen. I, I was prompted earlier to say that, and I went on to something else, and then it's like, it's kind of like, you know, just that little nudge on the inside again. So, th this is basic life understanding, you know, 101. I mean, th this is... This is the part that so many people uh, don't understand. Uh, they're one-dimensional beings. I'm sorry, they're three-dimensional beings, but they're thinking one-dimensionally. They're approaching life as a one-dimensional being. When they're not a one-dimensional being, they're a three-dimensional being. They're trying to make sense of, you know, the struggles that they have. Um, part of them pulling them one direction, another part of them pulling another direction, part of them wanting to do right, another part of them wanting to do something else other than right, you know, and we think there's something wrong with us mentally or, or no, no, again, it's, you, you are a three-dimensional being, and there's a part of you that, that wants to live for God and do what God's put you on this earth to do, and there's another part of you that wants to do what you want to do. And, and don't let the devil tell you that, you know, you've got some kind of mental uh, illness because you hear voices. We all hear voices, right? Your inward man has a voice and your outward man. Your outward person has a voice. Your inward person has a voice. There's part of you that says, man, you ought to help her. And there's another part of you that says, last time you helped somebody, it, it came back to bite you. And so th these struggles between these opposite positions in our lives it's, it's part of, of life and, and, and learning how to manage that and understand that. Um, again, because so many people don't have the basic life understanding of what these things are, what these voices are, how to, how to give you know, into one to overcome the other, they just keep repeating the same mistakes and same failures over and over and over again in their lives, all right? So one of our, uh, is that okay? Everybody good? Yeah, all right. So, um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 uh, is, is an uh, essential verse, an essential verse where this teaching is concerned. 
And it says, Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here we see these three that are you, all right there in one verse together, spirit, soul, and body. And may they be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a lot that we can and will say about that moving forward, but let me at least introduce this truth to you, and that is salvation is for every level or dimension of your existence. Um, Jesus did not just come to help you or rescue you spiritually. He came for your entire, that, that word wholly, completely, He came for your entire spirit, your entire soul, and your entire body. The, the stripes that He took upon His back were for the healing of your physical body. Just like the wounds that He took on His head was for the healing of your uh, mental faculties and your emotional uh, uh, faculties. Uh, the, the blood that He shed was to uh, provide for the complete removal of, uh, of, of the sin problem in our lives. Amen. So He's, he's interested in every dimension of, of your existence. Okay, Spirit, soul, and body. And so He's saying, may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely. That word sanctify means to be set apart from one thing unto another. And so many times when we hear sanctification talked about, we hear it referred to as what God is wanting to set you apart from. Okay, And that is important, but remember, He brings us out of Egypt so that He might bring us into the promised land. It's not just about what God wants to get you out of, it's ultimately what he wants to bring you into. But before he can bring you into the promised land, he's got to get you out of slavery in Egypt. I've, I've met and worked with and loved and served a lot of people over the years who were willing to do whatever it took to get out of Egypt. But once they got out of Egypt, they let the foot off the gas and, and they were not nearly as willing to do what was necessary in cooperating with God and those that God's put in their lives to help them get into their promised land, or as I like to say, your promised land is your best life. Okay, So <clears throat> this idea of sanctification is, has more to do uh, about being set apart to something than even being set apart from it. It does include both, but again, you've got, you got you to be set apart from before being set apart to is, is even an option. Amen. So... He's talking about then you being completely set apart, spirit, soul, and body. Spirit, soul, and body. Now, let me uh, put another verse up on the screen, actually two verses. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, verses that we have referred to early and often throughout our 26 classes now that we're into number 26. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And there's different ways to look at reasonable service. Uh, one translation has this as uh, basically your worship. Uh, 
where you present yourself. And, and that's a huge part of what you've done here tonight. You, you have presented yourself. Uh, everything that God wants to do in you, for you, and through you begins with you showing up. Amen. And so thank you for showing up. Praise God. Being present, presenting yourself. He says it's the least you can do. Reasonable service. You realize that, that there are people in our world today that thinks, you know, church two or three times a week is just unreasonable. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, I got, a, I got a, a brother right now that is just, we've been emailing back and forth. We met some years ago, and, and he is just, he's on fire, man. I, I mean, he is like, uh, he's listening to these classes more than once, you know. And, uh, and, he, and, he, and he said something recently. He said, Pastor Mark, he said, I got people in my life that think I'm crazy. You know, it's because, you know, and probably those same people go to church, you know, Christmas, Easter, a few times throughout the year. And, and to them, you know, that's enough. Somebody that actually sits around on a Wednesday afternoon listening to a live stream Bible class, you know, it's like, dude, what's wrong with you? you know, so to, to, uh, to some folks, that seems unreasonable. But again, this is our reason. It's the least that we can do. Amen. To show up and, and receive the things that Father God wants to, uh, to impart to us. Now, once we work through spirit, soul, and body, we're going to use that as a platform to really teach and explain to you what happened to you when you were, were born again, when you received salvation. And you'll never understand salvation without first understanding spirit, soul, and body and, and, and what that looks like. Because the, the Bible says, you know, you have been saved. The Bible also says you are being saved. And the Bible says you, you will be saved. And so, so people try to figure out which one it is. And it's, it's not uh, either or, it's all and. Your spirit has been, your soul is being, and your body will be. And I'll explain that in, in greater detail later. And then after we do that, we'll get to, to really what I believe is one of the main focuses of discipleship, and that's the renewing of the mind or the reconditioning of the mind. And so he talks about this here. In verse 2, do not be conformed to this world. Think of outside pressure from the world being applied to you to try to shape and form and, and condition the way you think, uh, the, the way you understand, and ultimately the way you speak. Remember what Paul said when he, was, when he was a child, he thought, he understood, and he spoke like a child. And what's not stated but clearly implied is if you think, understand, and speak like a child, you're not going to live like a mature adult. Right. So, but he said, when I became a man, I put away childish things. So there was this significant shift uh, in, in, in the way he um, thought and the way he understood and the way he spoke. And we see that the world around us and, and our experiences in the world have conditioned us to think certain ways uh, understand, process things certain ways, and then ultimately remember your tongues, the rudder, charts the course your life follows. So we, we speak from our baseline of understanding, and this then lays down the railroad tracks that the train of our life is barreling down. So you got to let the Holy Spirit help you change the way you think, the way you understand, the way you process things, and then how you respond, what you say. Amen. In order for to, you to genuinely experience in your life reality the transformation that has already taken place in your born-again spirit. 
Now, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself, but it's just hard to talk about these things without, you know, at least saying some of this. And if that's not making a whole lot of sense to you right now, just, again, please stay tuned. So the, the heart, then, of discipleship is once a man or woman is born again, the Bible says that we became a new creature through that experience. You became a new person. But as long as you think like the person you were instead of the person you became, you're still going to live for the most part like the person you were instead of the person you became. Because how we think has been conditioned by the way we lived and by the outside pressures of the world that have formed and, and forged even within us certain mindsets and, and perspectives and attitudes um, towards God, towards ourselves, towards other people. Uh, again, there's a lot there that we'll get into in the days ahead. I mention this now, though, because our minds have been conditioned by the world that we live in to think one-dimensionally. But you are not a one-dimensional being. You are a three-dimensional being. So learning to think three-dimensionally is one of the most essential parts of reconditioning the mind. Now here he says renewing the mind, and I, I like renewing the mind, don't misunderstand me. But the reason I will often use reconditioning the mind in place of renewing the mind is because our minds have been previously conditioned, you know, uh, to, to look at things a certain way, to think of things, you know, a certain way. Uh, and so the reconditioning, for our minds to be reconditioned, to think in alignment with, in agreement with God, uh, God's wisdom, uh, who you became the day you became a new creation in Christ Jesus, uh, one that we mention early and often here is righteousness. We know that through the new birth you became righteous. You were made righteous. But if you still think of yourself as a sinner, or I like to say it this way, if you still live your life with a sin consciousness where you're more aware of, of, your, of the sin and the sinner that you once were instead of the righteousness that you've now become, right? Are you seeing this? So we live in a world, even, even a, a, a religiousized world that's, that, that's uh, you know, being uh, religion, by the way. Religious people stripped Jesus' naked, beat him almost to death, and nailed him to a cross, all right? And so religion, unfortunately, uh, is, is used by Satan uh, so many times to, uh, to reinforce uh, this wrong conditioning, this wrong... Uh, uh, perspective and how we perceive ourselves and God and, and His call and purposes in our lives, all right? So learning then to think three-dimensionally is one of the most essential parts of reconditioning the mind. Uh, you, you, you will never walk in the fullness of, of your rights, privileges, and benefits as a child of God as long as you think one-dimensionally. We're in the middle of a very lengthy study here on Wednesday nights that, I mean, it's you know, they say if you can't sum it up in a few sentences that you don't really have a clear, uh, you, you know, construct or whatever. But, but if, I could, if I could just give a title to it, it's how to receive from God. How to receive from God. And we should be experiencing in our life realities more and more of the things that belong to us as children of God. Things that we've been given that we don't even know we have. And so why, where's the breakdown? Why, why are we not... Why does it seem so hard to receive from God things like healing or financial breakthrough and, and, and this sort of thing? 
And one of the things that we have identified and, and, and talked about extensively in this, in this study, when I say Wednesday night, for those of you who don't know, we, we have church here on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock, okay? And so uh, when I finish here, we'll go in there, worship Jesus, and, and then I'll preach. And, and so um, when we, we try to receive from God one-dimensionally, because that's how we've, that's how we've learned to receive uh, and our minds have been conditioned to think one-dimensionally when it comes to receiving. Well, let me just real quick, like, let me show you a, a practical example of what I'm talking about and why your mind being reconditioned to think three-dimensionally. Um, in, in a one-dimensional approach to receiving, we don't actually believe we have received whatever it is that we've asked for until we hold it in our hands. It's called visual confirmation. Okay. So I ask Buell, hey, Buell, you know, can you spot me a 20? And Buell says, uh, well, sure, Pastor Mark. Um, but, you know, one-dimensionally is uh, I, don't, I don't believe I actually have it until I'm, I'm holding the 20 in my hand. Well, see, receiving from God begins with you receiving something inwardly that then becomes manifest outwardly in your life. The Bible, see, this is where hope becomes a key factor in all of this and the bible says that you don't hope for what you can see what you can hold in your hand so when the greatest lesson on faith ever taught was when jesus used the fig tree that he cursed as an example and he said what things soever you desire when you pray believe that you've already received them and you will have them well see if if it's an immediate um can you spot me a 20 here's the 20 where's the faith in that where's the Where's the confident expectation in all of that? Are you, are, are you picking up what I'm putting down? I, maybe I shouldn't have opened this can of worms. It's not a can of worms, but it's, it just there's a lot to this, and I'm not trying to go down too many rabbit trails tonight. I want to stay focused. But this is just a classic example of how when, if, we, if we are locked into you know, a one-dimensional approach to life and living, it's going to make it very difficult, if not impossible, for you to receive from God the things that Father God wants you to experience in your life. Because these things, remember, you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So how do we, if, if, use this terminology, how, how do we convert something that is spiritual to something that is physical? Well, we spent a whole, you know, I don't know, 40 minutes on that last week, right? They ate food, but it was spiritual food. They drank water, but it was spiritual drink. It, it had its origins in the realm of the spirit, and it came from the spirit realm into the physical realm. Amen. So how do we receive from God? How do we receive healing from God? See, a one-dimensional approach, you know, says well, we've got to have some kind of medicine. I'm not opposed to medication. I'm thankful for doctors and medication. Amen. But, you know, when Peter's mother-in-law had a fever, Jesus didn't hand her a Z-pack. He, he touched her on the hand, right? He touched her on the hand. And immediately the fever left her body. Well, see, that's, that's that same spot that that spiritual food came from. It, it, it was a window from, from God's world into, into our world, and, and, and something passed through that window. And, and we're to be those kinds of portals. Remember what Jesus said. Jesus said to those who believe, you'll lay your hands on the sick and the sick will recover. That's you. He's talking to you and me. Okay, so why is that not happening? Why? And I'm, I refuse to do what some do. Some say, well, you know, that's passed away with the apostles. Hogwash. It's not what the, that is. 
Don't you dare insult me with such an ignorant, idiotic argument as that that does not hold water, is not scriptural at all. Okay. Amen or oh me. But anyway, praise God. So, so I'm convinced that one of, one of these uh, major issues and hiccups and hangups people have when it comes to receiving from God is, is, is we come to Him with this one-dimensional approach. And, and automatically, that one-dimensional perspective on receiving from God runs us crosswise with how you receive from God. Because you receive from God by faith. Faith receives what grace is already given. By His stripes you were healed. See, if you've, if you've been born again, you've already been healed. You say, I'm not healed, I'm hurting. See, again, there we go, one-dimensional. We're waiting for the visual confirmation. Believe with me, Pastor Mark, for a good report. I won't do it. <laughs> and, that ma- and that makes people angry. But what, what you're telling me by that is you're going to wait to see what the doctor says before you decide whether or not you're going to believe you're healed or not. Amen. See, that's not, that's not how any of this works. Faith, walking by faith, not by sight means not living your life based upon the way things look, seem, and feel. A one-dimensional approach to life and living is when we live our lives based upon the way it looks, the way it seems, the way it feels. Walking by faith means I believe this is the way it is because God said this is the way it is despite how it looks, seems, and feels. Do you see, do you see the difference here? All right, so I, I'm getting way, way ahead of myself, but praise God. So our minds have been conditioned to think one-dimensionally, I've got this deeper in my notes. Let me bring this up right now, though, and maybe we'll cover it later again, but amen. John um, chapter 3 contains maybe the most popular verse in the Bible, verse 16. That verse is in the context of a conversation that Jesus has with a man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a Pharisee. He is a ruler of the Jews. This man is, um, I mean, he could quote the Old Testament literally frontwards and possibly backwards. Um, and so he comes to Jesus by night and he says, I know you've got to come from God because no man can do the miracles that you do unless God be with him. And Jesus says, uh, unless you're born again, you'll never see the kingdom. What? <laughs> you know, Nicodemus is like, I'm sure somewhere in the back of his mind, I knew this was a mistake, right? Because he, you know, then kind of how can a man go back into his mother's womb and be born a second time when he's old and full grown? And then... <laughs> Jesus says, unless you're born again, you can't enter the kingdom. Now, why is Nicodemus scratching his head? And he, he, he literally, I think, in frustration, he throws up his hands and he's like, how can these things be? And Jesus fires right back at him. He says, how is it that you're a teacher of God's people and you don't know these things? Okay. So what was the mistake Nicodemus was making? He was trying to understand what it means to be born again with a one-dimensional perspective. He's thinking, every, he's thinking in terms of the, of the body. He's thinking in terms of the flesh and the flesh being born again. And Jesus says, listen to me, what's born of the flesh is flesh, but what's born of the spirit is spirit. Jesus wasn't talking about our physical bodies being born a second time. He was talking about our spirits being born a second time. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. All right. Now, here, um, I'm going to put this up on the screen. For those of you who are watching online um, I'm probably, you're not going to see my face for a little while, and I hope that doesn't bother you. And I'm also, I've tried to figure out a way to do online what I will be doing in the class. Uh, but again, I'm, I'm not 
I'm not exactly sure how to pull that off either. Let me come back on screen for just a moment. I used to do this. When I first started doing this, uh, I would do it on a piece of paper. Then I got a dry erase board. And I, I, love to, I love to point to the different parts as we talk about them, okay? And on more than one occasion, I know it sounds silly. I just I get passionate about this. On more than one occasion, I have like hit the dry erase board so hard with my index finger that I've pulled the skin out from under my fingernail, all right? So, um, and that's how I like to teach this. I mean, I don't like the pain of the skin being pulled out from under my fingernail, but this is how I like to teach this, all right? So um, those of you who are watching online, we've got uh, the, the overhead. Uh, you can't see it, but it's right here above my head right here. Uh, and what you're seeing uh, now on the screen uh, they've got, I think it's a 110-inch screen. I don't know. they got it on a big screen. But I still can't, you know, I want to, like, poke it. You know what I'm saying? And so I thought about, a, I thought about like, a dowel, you know, like a long stick. And I said, no, if I do that, I'll tear that screen up, and we don't need to buy another one of those. And um, so anyway, so we're just going to do our best. I do have, um, I do have uh, this, okay? And so that's probably going to be, Amen. And if I squeeze it too hard, I guess I could pull the skin out from under my fingernail there. So, all right. So let's let's talk about let's talk about this because there there's a there is a lot. Um, and so, someone asked me uh, this week uh, about stickmen theology, and and um, you know I haven't I haven't uh, what do you call it trademarked that terminology or whatever. But it, but it is something. It is a term that the Holy Spirit uh, helped me coin. And uh, I'll come back on screen while I talk about that for a minute, okay? So, obviously, we've got an upgrade uh, from the stick men. But many, many years ago, there was a young man in my office, and I, I was, you know, trying to serve him and help him and, and counsel with him. And I was trying to explain the difference between his spirit and his soul and his body. And he was looking at me like a calf looking at a new gate. I mean, he's like, I, I am not getting this, right? <laughs> And so I, I, I would like to say it would be a better story if it was the back of an envelope, but it wasn't, it, or a napkin, but it was actually I grabbed a piece of, of, of plain, you know, like uh, copy paper. And, and, and real quick, like, I drew three stick men on that piece of paper, and I wrote spirit under one, soul under the other, and body under the other, and I turned it around, and for the rest of that counseling session and several more, I would use that to point to these different parts, uh, these different dimensions uh, of, of his existence. And so that's kind of the origin of stickman theology. And I like the idea, I think the fancy word is juxtaposition, okay, so that's a big word like mayonnaise. But it's the idea of, um, it's the idea of something as complex and deep as theology, which theo, God, ology, study. So theology is the study of God, um, you know, joined alongside the simplicity of stick men, okay? So again, you know, for those of you who are watching uh, online, the stick men have uh, received uh, an upgrade since I purchased this program called Doodly um, uh, some time ago. Uh, but sometimes I like to go back to just the dry erase board and the squeaky markers and the funny smell. Um, but anyway, um, but I'm talking about the markers, right? Amen. Okay, so... Um, but let's, let's um, and obviously this has more than just three guys, you know, three stick men with, uh, with some words under them. Uh, and so let's, let's just start breaking some of this down, all right? Um, if you notice uh, under, um, you know, you've got spirit and then soul and then body, okay? And then up here, these words, pneuma, suche, and soma. 
All right. The reason Numa, Suche, and Soma are important is that those are the three Greek words, Numa being spirit, Suche being uh, soul, and Soma being body. Okay. There are those who, despite what the Bible says, kind of one of those don't confuse me with the facts or the truth my mind's made up, all right? But there, there are those who insist on saying that man is not a three-dimensional being, but a two-dimensional being. And, that, and that's based upon uh, one scripture that says you have an outward man person and an inward man person, okay? Well, we know that the inward man is made up of both the spirit and the soul. And Jesus uh, identified or distinguished the difference between the inward man when he took it further and, and referred to your spirit as your innermost being, right? So you've got your outward person, your outward body, okay? And then you've got your inward person, and then the inward person has the innermost part of you, which is your spirit. So the innermost being is the spirit. Jesus used that expression, innermost being. He said, from your innermost being will flow rivers of living water, all right? So I want you to see those Greek words, pneuma, suche, and soma, because you know, they are, the three dimensions are specifically distinguished from one another in the scriptures, okay? So let's, uh, I'll put that back up on the screen. So the first, the first thing I want you to understand about uh, your spirit is that you don't just have a spirit, but you are a spirit. Now, remember, we're talking about reconditioning the mind. Remember what we've learned already, that you're not a physical being trying to have a spiritual experience, but you are a spirit being experiencing a physical reality. That's, I know that's, that's huge, but that's truth now. See, that's truth. See, the perspective, the perspective. The, the, Satan wants you to live your whole life thinking you're a, you're a body, you're a physical being, you know, trying to have some kind of spiritual experience on planet Earth. Man, it's, again, it's, it's, it's not that. You are a spirit being living in an earth suit on a physical planet experiencing a physical reality. Okay? So spirit is the real you. You're going to hear me say this over and over and over again. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. So the pneuma spirit that's the real you. That's who you really are. A lot of verses that deal with this. In 1 John we see that it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but when we see Jesus, you know what, we will be like Him. Be like Him because the real you, Spirit, it was born of His seed. Amen. He was a prototype for the person that you now are because you've been born a second time of his incorruptible seed. We'll talk about that in, uh, when we get to the new birth. Now, I think it's pretty obvious with that um, P-S-U-C-H-E, what English word we get um, from uh, that Greek uh, original, uh, psychology, psyche, psych, okay. Um, here it's just spelt, transliterated differently with the U. And your soul, so that's that middle part uh, uh, that middle dimension as it's drawn uh, before you, that is your mind, your emotions, 
and your will. Okay? There are some who add other things like intellect and what have you and all that. But to me, your intellect is, is a part of your mind. And so I like to try to keep it simple. Your mind, your emotions, and your will. This is, this is significant because we've, we've already covered some things that are related to this. And that is your thinking produces the emotions that influence your choices. So your soul is that part of you that thinks that feels, and that chooses. That thinks, feels, and chooses. Mind, emotions, will, thinks, feels, and chooses. Now, I personally believe that it it should be stated in that order. Because, again, as we will look at moving forward more and more, the mind is the driving force of the soul. The mind is the driving force of the soul. As goes the mind, so goes the soul. Okay. The emotions are important. The choices are important. Life is choice-driven. Therefore, it must be spirit-led. Okay. But what we see is that it, it begins with the thinking. It begins with our minds. Amen. Okay. So, your soul then is the part of you that thinks, feels, and chooses are your mind, emotions, and will. And then your soma, which means body is your flesh, that would be another way of understanding. The Bible has a lot to say about our flesh, and that's speaking of your body. It's also referred to as your outward man, and extremely important in all this is in your flesh, we find our five physical senses, our five physical senses. And, of course, we know what those are, right? Taste, touch, smell, hear, sight, okay? Now, I point that out to you, and, and I think I've got a drawing, a variation of this, but I want you to begin to think of faith as a sixth sense, but faith is something that's in your spirit. Faith is to the spirit what your five physical senses are to your flesh. Let me try to illustrate that. Your physical senses help you function in a physical world. If you are somehow, you know, your capacity in one of your physical senses is diminished, you can still function. It just becomes more challenging to, to, to function. If, for example, if someone loses their sense of sight or their sense of hearing. Okay? Now... In the same way that your physical senses enable you to function in a physical world, faith is the sixth sense that enables you to function in the realm of the Spirit. Faith is your ability to see beyond this created realm. That's important. Faith is your ability to see beyond. Remember what we we quoted this verse a moment ago. Everything we can see was made from something that we can't see. Everything that's visible came from that which is invisible. We know from life on planet Earth that there is more to life than meets the eye. Come on now. Come on. I'm not trying to get spooky on you, but we know that there are all kinds of things that we've experienced in our life that there is, there is no physical, logical, rational explanation for. Every person in this room has stories of, of things that, 
you know, we try to write it off as being lucky. We try to write it off as being a coincidence. We try to write it off as, are, are, you, are, you, are you kidding me? Absolutely not. We know there's more to life than meets the eye. There's more going on down here than we can put our finger on. There have been times when, whether you acknowledge it in the moment or not, but looking back on it now, you know that it was angels that saved your backside. You, you ooh, praise God, they were there for us. Right. Amen. Okay. So there's more to life than meets the eye. Meaning what? This is why we don't walk by the way things look, seem, and feel. We walk by faith. Faith's what connects us and enables us to live in a physical world while at the same time being connected to the realm of the Spirit. We look at the success Jesus had on this earth as a human being, okay? And, and, and a lot of that, of course, not a lot of that, all of that had to do with him walking with his father and, and, and him developing in faith and him being more aware of the world he came from than the world he found himself in. Jesus knew that he was not a physical being trying to have a spiritual experience. He knew that he was a spirit being experiencing a physical reality, and he used his understanding of that, right, to minister to and help a whole lot of people. And then put you and me in that same position, touching two worlds at the same time. Anybody remember that class from John 3, right? No one has seen God at any time, but he who went up, who came down, who was both here and there. He's talking about himself, right? Jesus is saying, I'm here, Nicodemus, and you see me. But while you see me here, I'm also seated in heavenly places with my Father. In other words, he was touching two worlds at the same time. This is the life that every one of us you know, have been born again that God desires for us to understand and know how to live. But again, if we, if we only think one dimensionally, you know, how, how can we be seated together with Jesus in heavenly places and be right here in a room together tonight? But yet positionally, spiritually speaking, you are seated together with Jesus. I'll show it to you in scriptures, Ephesians 2. He ascended to the right hand of Father God, did He not? He sat down, did He not? And yet the Bible says you're seated together with Him right there now tonight. I'm not making this up. You mean to tell me? No, I'm telling you what He said. So how, can we be, how can we be there and here at the same time? Like a three-dimensional being, right? See, your, your spirit... I heard Pastor Bill Winston teaching on this this, this week. And, and you know... I, I know some of these things, and I apologize if I'm getting too cray-cray on you, but, but he was talking about the capacity of a spirit. Of, of your, you are a spirit, which means the capacity that you have. He said, do you realize that one man had more than a thousand demons in his spirit? What? See, you, if you start thinking along those lines, see, now again, we think body, one-dimensional you know, what we can put in our purse and pockets. No, see, it's Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He put His kingdom in you. How does a kingdom fit in me? <laughs> see, we, we try to think how it would fit in our body, not in our spirit. The capacity of your spirit is, is so much greater than the capacity of your body. Am I freaking you out? Am I trying to freak you out? Okay, all right. Let me try to get back here focused. Okay, so, but see again, this is this goes back to where we just think of ourselves as as a physical body, physical being. All right, so let's get back to this. So, flesh, five senses, outward man. Now, if you'll also uh, notice that obviously we got God up here in the top left corner, and um, and then these arrows with this 
word written on them, and that word is zoe. That's a Z, Z-O-E, and then Z-O-E, 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 right? And then up here, we've got this word, which may make a little more sense to you, and that's the word bios, okay? So these arrows with zoe written on them, they are denoting both connection and direction, Connection and direction. When we read the word life in the Greek New Testament, we need to look beneath the surface because in the original language, the word life has more than one meaning. So we have this word zoe, which means the life and nature of God. The life and nature of God. That's zoe. Okay? Bios, you probably guessed it already, okay, that we get our word biology from this. Bios is referring to physical life or our biological existence. So in John, the 10th chapter, in the 10th verse, Jesus says to a group of people, I've got it somewhere in here. Amen. Well, I'm getting way, way ahead of myself now. We'll come back. All right. So Jesus says to a group of people in John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Anybody want to guess what Jesus said here? I have come that they may have zoe and that they may have zoe, excuse me, more abundantly. Jesus said to a group of people who were biologically alive, I've come to give you life. He wasn't saying I've come to give you bios. They had bios. Are you seeing this? They had a biological existence, but what were they missing? They were missing the life and nature of God that flows from God into man via a spiritual union with God. So the arrow, again, it is denoting, it is, it is communicating the drawing. Okay, let's go back to the drawing for those that are watching online. Praise the name of the living God, all right? It's denoting both, it's denoting both direction and but also connection. Obviously, the arrow is pretty kind of obvious that we're, we're, it's denoting direction, right? But it's, it's also, uh, you know, communicating to us a connection where our spirit becomes connected to God who is also a spirit. See, I said it again. It, this is the renewing, the reconditioning of my own mind. You don't just have a spirit. So it's, it's so... That, that's a challenge for me. And obviously, you've got to bend the language. And not, but, you know, you say our spirit. No, you, which you are a spirit, right? So when I say your spirit, I'm talking about you. Okay. So you, who are a spirit, and God, who is a spirit, become one spirit. You become connected so that the life and nature of God can flow from God into you. This was what was severed in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned. When Adam and Eve sinned, they became disconnected 
from the flow of God's life and nature. They maintained a biological existence, but they were spiritually dead. Spiritually dead, but physically alive. So through the new birth, our dead spirit is finally buried in an unmarked grave, and Jesus puts a new spirit in us and joins our new spirit together with God's spirit and makes it one spirit. So that you become united, unionized. You become united. There becomes a spiritual union between you and God through which now God's life and nature can flow from Him into you once again. See, if you've been born again, you already have eternal life. Come on now. You, see, we think, I think sometimes we think, like, oh, 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 you know, one of God's people just died. Somebody get them some, some everlasting life down there, you know. No, you, you have eternal life right now. Whosoever believeth on Him, right? Had you, right? God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. Whosoever believeth on Him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting Zoe. So He's talking about the life and nature of God in overflowing abundance without end. Praise the name of the living God. Now, in the same way that there are different concepts of, of life, truth about life, both bios and zoe, we also see that the scriptures teach of two kinds of death. When we think of death, we often think of someone dying physically. But in the same way that there is a physical death, there is also, as evidenced by Adam and Eve and every person born after them, there is a spiritual death. The one thing that I want you to remember when you hear the word death, more than anything else, there, there's more to it, but I'm talking about the one thing, okay? Is that death equals separation. Death equals separation, okay? So when, when someone dies physically... This is when their spirit and soul separate from their physical body. When someone dies spiritually, this is when their spirit is separated from God. So he says to Adam and Eve, if you eat the fruit from the tree that I have forbidden you to eat from, you will surely die. You will surely die. That's in Genesis chapter 2, verse 17. I'll put this up on the screen. Amen. Genesis chapter 2, verse 17. Can you tell I really enjoy this, man? I, oh, my goodness gracious. I just got so excited about this. All right. So, whoo, thank you, Jesus. All right. Let me settle myself down here. Genesis 2, 17. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Because what's going to happen the day that they eat of it? The day they eat of it, they're going to commit sin. And it's going to cause their spirit to be separated from God's spirit, which is going to shut off that flow of the life and nature of God from God into them. Now let me tell you, if this was literally translated, the literal translation of you shall surely die would be this. In dying, you shall surely die. Now, in this particular case... 
you know, it's like, well, this, this just sounds like being, it's being redundant or it's being repetitive. Why would he say, in dying you shall surely die? It's because he's talking about them, them dying first spiritually. In the spiritual death, then what will happen? They shall surely die physically. In dying you shall surely die is what God said to them. Now, you know, nothing had ever died before. So they ate the fruit, and they knew something happened on the inside of them, and obviously the dominant negative emotions swept in. They started hiding from God, hiding from one another, but they could still fog a mirror. I mean, they were still breathing. So what had happened? Spiritually dead, but they still maintained bios. I was teaching on this many years ago, and uh, Pam and I were talking about this uh, this year. This, is, this year at Heritage is our 25th anniversary. We had our, our first uh, service the first Sunday of June, 1998, um, uh, about, I don't know, four or five blocks behind me um, in, in our cabinet shop. We cleaned out the, some of the displays in our, in our showroom and set up some chairs, and, and here we are. Praise God. And, um, and I was, uh, <laughs> anyway, I'm trying to give God the glory for that, but also to help you understand this analogy. I was teaching on these things one Sunday morning, and I was trying to, you know, like, Lord, how can I illustrate this? How can I explain this? And this was the idea that he gave me. I, I went out in the shop, and because um, we still did cabinets there for a while before I sold the cabinet business. We built this building in 2000. And, um, but anyway, I, I went out in the, in the shop, and I, I found a random orbital sander. I don't know if you know what that is or not, but it's got a round disc on it, and it spins, but it spins in a pattern so that it won't leave swirl marks on, on finished cabinetry. And, uh, and so I plugged the thing in up on the stage, and I hid it behind a speaker, and, uh, and I was ready. Right, okay. And so what I did in the sermon is I, I picked up the, the, the sander and just squeezed it wide open and held it up like this. Okay, so if you can picture it, you know, it's a, and I'm trying to talk over it, you know, and I'm, I'm preaching and I'm walking around, and, and you know, obviously I, I, I did it on purpose, but I walked too far and I pulled it out of the wall. I separated it from its life. And that random orbital sander slowly came to a stop, right? It, it died, and then it died. Right? You see this? It died when it was separated from its life, but it coasted. See, we put so much emphasis in the, you know, if we, if we live to be 100 years old, we put so much emphasis in, in, in the life that we have here on this, on this earth. But if you don't know Jesus, you're just coasting, man. I mean, you, you're coasting to the end. But if you're born again, you, you've been plugged back in, right? And now you have the life and nature of God. So he fills my soul with laughter. I'm, I'm not going to die. There will come a day, should Jesus tear his return to the earth, when my spirit and soul step out of this body. But death has no sting for me now. Death has no sting for you now. Amen? Because we have, right now, we have the, the everlasting, overflowing life and nature of God. Jesus did that for you and me. He did that for you and me. And the half is yet to be told about what that means and how grateful we're going to be one day. Uh, for what for what he has done, Amen. All right, now praise God. Let me um, let me get back up here. So let's uh, thank you, Jesus. Um, let's put this back up for a moment. So we got the 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 numa, the suche, the soma. Uh, I didn't come up with this terminology, but I think it's 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 brilliant. And and I always try to mention it when I teach on these things is that we should think of our bodies as our earth suit. 
in the same way an astronaut can't exist in outer space unless they're in a space suit, you can't exist on planet Earth unless you are living in an Earth suit. Now, the Apostle Paul called the body, and by the way, he referred to his body in the third person. He said, I will not let it rule me. <laughs> See, this was a man who understood that his body wasn't him. And, and that he had to, by the power of God within him, keep his body from trying to dominate him. And so he said, I will not let it rule me, but I will rule it. Speaking of, 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 his, of his body. Okay. And so... Uh, we, we talk about this, um, I'm sorry, thank you, Holy Spirit. So Paul referred to his body as a tent, meaning what? A temporary dwelling place, okay? But he said that, that there is a body prepared for him and for us in heaven, and this will be a glorified body. It'll be like the body that Jesus had after he was raised from the dead. When people could hug him and touch him and he could eat food with them. And then when he got ready to go, he didn't have to use the door. He just walked through the wall. <laughs> Amen. That's a glorified body. It's not taken from the earth and subject to the earth. It's taken from that same place the food came from and the water came from. It's got substance to it, but it's not of earthly substance. And by the way, that's, that's the future tense of our salvation. Have been, are being, will be. The Bible says our salvation will be complete when this mortal puts on immortality. I like to say it this way. When we have a body that's comparable to the born-again spirit that already lives inside of this one. Because we have a treasure, the Bible says, in this earthen vessel right now. It's the goodness of God. Do you, see, do, do you see how understanding spirit, soul, and body, it just begins to open up so many things in Scripture. It, begins to, it, it, it literally answers a thousand questions. It, it, it begins to, to, to make you know, such perfect sense of things when we uh, allow the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God to, to provide for us this three-dimensional perspective. So an earth suit, it was taken from the earth. And the Bible says it will return back to the earth. So death equals separation. Now, let me put this back up on the screen. And I, I want to I give you, we're going to dig into this a little deeper, okay? <clears throat> I want you to think of your spirit as a hand, your soul as a hand. So your spirit and soul, inward person as a hand, and your body as a glove, okay? So hand and glove. This is really important, really important, okay? Spirit, spirit can live without body. Body can't live without spirit. So do you see which, who's giving life to whom, right? <laughs> okay, all right? So... Your spirit and soul is like a hand that has been plugged into your earth suit and think of it as a glove. Now, the Bible says fearfully and wonderfully made. It, it is the most fabulous, the most amazing, the most sophisticated glove that's ever been created. 
okay, here on this earth, from, from this earth. But, you know, when I go home and I take this shirt off this evening, this arm, this sleeve will not be moving any longer because the arm has been taken out of it, right? Now, here is another truth, and sometimes people struggle with this one, so just brace yourself. Holy Spirit's helping us. Amen? You want to agree with me? Holy Spirit's helping us. Okay. And it's this idea of, um, and here's the, here's the big word, interface. So hand in a glove, meaning your spirit and soul interfaces with your body. And this is the part that sometimes people struggle with. Let the Holy Spirit help you. But your mind and your brain work together like a hand in a glove, but your mind and your brain are not the same thing. Okay? Mind is soul, right? Brain, meat computer, that's why I call it that, meat computer, is, is part of the body. Yes, you see this. But we would, we would be doing ourselves a disservice to think of the brain and the mind as the same thing, as using those words interchangeably as if they meant the same thing. Mind is part of the soul. Brain is part of the body. The mind, which is a part of the soul, and then, of course, the spirit along with it, interfaces with the physical body so that now I can give expression... I can give expression through my physical body to what my mind is thinking. I'm communicating to you now by faith, amen, listen to me, from my spirit through my mind, through my body. Do you see directionality now? Do you see the flow? It's very, very important. Let me get back over here online so people can see me online, okay? Basic life understanding. Basic life understanding. You were created to live from the inside out. You were created to live from the inside out. Most people on planet Earth, including most of God's people, are trying to live life completely backwards to the way we were created to live and designed by God to live, trying to live from the outside in. That, that concept or that approach to life says this, everything I need is out there and I've got to try to get it into me. I've got to try to get it from other people. I've got to try to get it from outside sources because the, the joy that I need, the peace that I need, the money that I need, the, 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 the love that I need, all of these things, right? It's all out here and we're trying to get ourselves in a position. This is why this, this one thing, perhaps more than any other, this one mistake, this is why people manipulate other people. This is why, you know, marriages end, right? Because uh, the wife didn't meet my needs. She wasn't meant to meet your needs. You're, you're trying to get a person to meet a need that you have that only God can meet. Amen. We're trying to get other people to fulfill something on the inside of us. Even when it comes, and again, I'm not, listen to me, I'm not opposed to medication. Remember we talked about uh, dominant negative emotions, and the best answer the world can give is here, take this pill, 
coming from the outside of you, swallowed on the inside of you, and it's just going to walk up to the circuit breaker of your brain, your meat computer, and it's going to kind of do this. And we're going to turn some stuff off, and hopefully we'll turn off the right thing and not the wrong thing. Okay? Well, look, if I, again, I'm not being critical. I'm not, I'm not trying. I'm not, please, no, I'm not being judgmental. I'm thankful for doctors. I'm thankful for medicine. But that's not God's best. Okay? God's best is He's going to make you a new creation in your innermost being. And then from there, He's going to begin this process with your cooperation of renewing and reconditioning the way you think, which is going to begin to change the way you feel, which is going to help you make better choices. Okay? Okay. See, in the same way that the mind and the brain work together, but they're not, they're not the same thing, emotions are more than neurochemicals. Emo see, you, in the same way that it's easier to, to comprehend when it comes to the, the mind and the brain, I got all kinds of stories. I'm just, I'm just going to be brief with this, okay? But one of the fascinating things to hear about is people who have, we call them near-death experiences. But really, it's not a near-death experience. If your spirit and soul separated from your body, you died. Okay? But these people who died, and then for whatever reason, you know, um, uh, the big boss, talking about Father God, you know, he says, no, not your time. And so their spirit and soul come back into their body. And you hear these fascinating stories of people like, they're, they're literally you know, hovering over themselves, watching doctors and nurses work on them in an emergency room. One of the most fascinating ones that I've ever heard was this guy who, his, his, he hovered for a while watching it, and then he said like a rocket, he took off through all the floors of the hospital and went out the roof of the hospital, then came back into his body. <sighs> So he's trying to tell people about this. And they're like, look, it's just the medication, buddy. You're going to be okay. You know, such stuff. And he's like getting agitated, trying to explain to them what happened to him. And he said, okay, do me this favor. Go to the roof of this hospital and see if there's not a single, I think it was a Converse or Nike tennis shoe. One tennis shoe. He saw it on the roof of the building next to an air conditioner. Finally, somebody in his family went up there and sure enough, there it was. So this is, this. obviously the Bible answers this question, but I'm trying to show you experience that, that confirms what the scriptures teach. That it's not just our spirit, it's our spirit and our soul that leaves our body, that separates from our body when we die. And so now he has cognition. Once his soul comes back into his body, he can now communicate through his brain with emotion <laughs> you know, what, what he experienced when he was out of the body. Amen. We've talked about the Apostle Paul who went to the third heaven. Remember what he said. He said, I don't know if my body made the trip or not. And that's pretty cool, isn't it? When you consider how much trouble and how many issues our flesh has, has tried, the lust of our flesh and pride of life and, and lust of the eyes, and man, you know, remember Adam and Eve? I, we're naked. They didn't even know they had a body until they sinned. We're like, how could they not know they have a body? And they're looking at us tonight going, how do you not know you are a spirit? It's how these things have flip-flopped, right? Yeah. So 
In the same way that the mind operates through the brain but is not the brain, emotions are a part of the soul that interface with the neurological systems in the body, chemicals, synapses, receptors, all of this, okay? But emotions are more than chemicals in our bloodstreams. That's the interface. So do you see, do you see why the, the, the ultimate uh, healing, the ultimate deliverance from dominant negative emotions, chronic anxiety, panic attacks, depression, all of these things. I'm not saying those things aren't real. They're very real, and they torment a lot of people. But Jesus took a crown of thorns on his head, through his eyebrows, sticking into the apples of his cheeks. He was tormented. He suffered in the, in the area of his brain so that we could be delivered from all of that. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right. Mm-mm-mm. Let's go. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Praise God. All right, let's go. Let's go here. Hebrews 4 and 12. Hebrews 4 and 12. Praise you, Jesus. So this verse came, I think, maybe class number four. I don't know. Um, but he says here, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. We may say sharper than any surgeon's scalpel. It was sharper than, I think the two-edged sword, though, we know the scripture is like a two-edged sword that cuts both ways. A two-edged sword cuts coming and going. Amen. So the word of God is living and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. All right, so what is this verse saying? It's saying a lot of things, but as it relates to our subject this evening. When we talk about spirit, soul, and body, the three are so connected and intertwined with one another that apart from the precision that we find in the Word of God, it's really difficult to tell where one begins and the other, uh, where, where one ends and the other begins. A, a classic example of this, have you ever heard the expression psychosomatic? Anybody ever heard that? It's estimated, and I've looked for a lower number because this one sounds so high, but it's estimated that upwards of 80% of all, of, of every um, United States now, 80% of, of every uh, trip to the doctor is, is rooted in some form of stress that has affected us negatively in our physical health. That's, that's strong. When I say I've looked for a le- I've like, surely it can't be that much. I mean, I, but that's, that's the research, okay? So we, we see things like this. A merry heart does, doeth, does good like a medicine. Let's see, I got that verse somewhere for us here, praise God. Um, Proverbs 17 and 22. 
A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. Man, a merry heart. Not that we had to have this to believe it because God said it and if God said it, it's true. But there is extensive psychological and medical research that has proven this time and time again. And some of the latest research is that even if you phone in the laughter, fake laughter, fake laughter will release healing properties and healing endorphins into your bloodstream. Now, a merry heart, see, now we're talking about the inward part. Now we're talking about the soul. We're talking about an, an emotion, which is part of the soul. But, but we see that this, in turn, though, is affecting our physical health in a positive way. We also see that it works negatively as well. Um, bitterness. See, that's, that's an inward condition of the heart. But bitterness hardens, dries the bones. It, it, again, the, 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 the relationship between the soul and the body, that's where psychosuche, soma, body, psychosomatic is, is where we get that, um, those ideas from. So back to the verse, if we're ever going to be able to, uh, if we're ever going to you know, separate the part that is, Numa from the part that is Suche, we're going to have to let the Word of God do that for us. Are, are you seeing this? I'm, I'm trying to set us up. We got, man, you just got a few minutes left. Has this class not just like flown by? So, all right. So, um, <clears throat> we can't just theorize, we can't just take it upon ourselves. We, we have to allow the scalpel that is the Word of God. Now, here is another point against those who say that you're just two-dimensional instead of three. Here he says the pneuma, only with the Word of God, the pneuma can be separated from that part of you that suits it. it, it the Word of God can separate. And that's, that's part of... The Holy Spirit's uh, brilliance or genius in, in, a, in a drawing like this one, okay, and I'm saying his brilliance, genius, not mine, okay, is that we separate these out in a way that we can look at them and understand from the Word of God, okay, that spirit, that soul, that's body. Do you realize how many people, like for instance, the Bible says we're not of those who draw back and miss out, but we are among those who believe to the saving of the soul. See, now when you understand the soul and spirit are not the same thing, this is where the surgeon scalpel of the Word of God is helping us understand the work of the Holy Spirit in our spirit when we're born again and the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in our soul. What's already happened in our spirit is now uh, you know, being... Uh, the, the, the part of our thinking, right, more than anything else, is, is being brought into alignment with the completed work of the Holy Spirit in us at our salvation. 
It's one thing to be made righteous. It's another thing to think like someone who's been made righteous. It's one thing for the, the grace of God to remove sin from you once and for all. It's another thing altogether for you to become righteousness conscious instead of continuing to be sin conscious. Amen. Okay? So we see then that there's this... Praise God. I'm on, Holy Spirit, I'm going to do it. Amen. Because it just keeps... All right. So... <sighs> Somebody needs to hear this. We'll get to this. I promise you we'll get to this. You'll hear this again. All right. I even got a, I've even got a drawing that has this on it. All right. But the, the one thing that really this part of you right here, if you had not figured it out, that's the target of discipleship. Okay. In other words, once you're born again, this part of you has been perfected forever. Amen. Hebrews 10, 14. He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Okay. So watch this has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Okay? <laughs> Amen. How can you be perfected forever and also be a work in progress? See, one-dimensional thinking says that's not possible. I'm either perfected forever or I'm a work in progress, but I can't be both at the same time. A three-dimensional being can be. A three-dimensional being can be one with God and still struggle with heroin addiction. Oh, there's no way! You know what I see? I guess there is. See, one-dimensional thinking says if it looks like a duck, if it walks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, it must be a duck. But that would be regarding people according to their outward man, which 2 Corinthians 5 strictly, you know, uh, instructs us to never do. Right? Right? And that includes you evaluating yourself. Well, I'm still doing this, so I must be that. No. No, you're but a renewed mind away. You're but a renewed mind away. Come on now. I'm getting saved six times. You're a <laughs> right? Right? Because, you know, we think a certain way here that, that leads us to behave a certain way here. The Bible says, the Bible says, watch this now, if your heart condemns you, that's your heart, spirit and soul is your heart. If your heart condemns you, God's greater than your heart. But if your heart condemns you not, you have confidence towards God. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. But if your heart condemns you, right, God's greater than your heart, but it's going to affect your confidence. You see, and that's, that's all the devil can hope for. All right, so this is the thing the Holy Spirit keeps prompting me, and I'm going to say it. The thing that really helped me was if you think of this part of you, your soul, it's going to be odd. It's going to be an odd term. Are you ready? You might want to write this down. Okay. Think of your soul as a valve. A valve. V-A-L-V-E. So what do you mean by a valve? If you washed your hands today, you opened a valve and you let the water that was behind that closed valve under pressure flow through it. Okay? Are you seeing this? Your soul is like a valve. It'll let the life and nature of God, I call these the inward realities of the new birth, it'll either allow those things to flow through into your life experience or it'll shut them off and keep them from flowing through to your life experience. 
Do you see now why it's so important that our minds are reconditioned? And do you see why Satan fights us so hard? Do you see why he tries to steal the word from us and he steals 100% of the word from us that we never hear? Right? Sanctify them by your truth, Father. Your word is truth. Jesus prayed that in John chapter 17, verse 17. See, it's the word of God that brings our thinking into alignment. Into alignment. Anybody remember where we started all this? Reconciliation? When you reconcile a checkbook, what do you do? You take what you think you have and you bring it into alignment with what the truth is, what the statement of truth is, right? And hopefully um, you thought you had less than what you really have instead of the other way around. So reconciliation is when we bring our thinking as born-again believers into agreement with God's truth in so many ways, your soul is playing catch-up with what God's already done in your spirit. Yeah. He's made you righteous. <coughs> we still struggle. And so what happens then, see, we let what, we let what happens out here, it's called a feedback loop, right? When what you do affects what you think. Yes. Yes. Because how you think has more to do with what you do than any other thing in your life. God. It is. <laughs> so, best advice, anybody remember this one? Best advice you could ever give anybody. Agree with him quickly. If he says he's made you righteous. So, see, now look, we go through it, we go through all these things, right? Okay, so let's. So, he says this, see, now, three dimensional, three dimensional understanding. Jesus says, if the son, watch this now. Sometimes I do it this way. Right, let, let's, we'll do it this way. Praise God. So for those of you who are watching online, I'm pointing the laser at spirit. If the son makes you free, okay, if he makes you free, then you shall be free in your performed action. Free indeed means free in your performed action. It's one thing for him to make you free. It's another thing for you to let him teach you how to live free in your life experience. If you don't live free here, you're still free here. Because who you became the day you became a new creation in Christ Jesus is not based upon your performance. He made you something you could never make yourself. Are you hearing me? He made you something you could never make yourself. You say, well, Pastor, but I've sinned since then. Well, so what you're telling me then is that you could have been good enough to make yourself a saint. Can you ever, can you, see, that's, the, oh, sweet Jesus, I might just tell everybody out there to come in here tonight. Uh, so, see, he made you something here you could never make yourself. 
Because what we're talking about now is your nature. And we were by nature, the Bible says, the offspring of wrath. It was not your sin that made you a sinner. And it was not your good behavior that made you righteous. It was Adam's sin that made you and me sinners. And it was Jesus, the last Adam, it was his obedience that made us righteous. I could go to any church that I know of, at least in the southern United States, and say there's, there's no amount of good work you could ever do to make yourself right with God in the eyes of God, and I would get amens all across. Because we know that we're talking about something now that transcends behavior. And if bad behavior, if bad behavior, I'll say it right in a minute, if good behavior can't change a sinner to a saint, then bad behavior can't change a saint to a sinner. Because it's not about works. We're talking about something that, that behavior, if behavior, could, if behavior could fix it, Jesus, Jesus died a foolish death. If there was something we could do to change who we be, then there's no reason for Jesus to die on the cross. He'd have just come and told us what we needed to do. Oh, it's an abundance of grace. But see, see, we read all this in Romans 5, and we're going to do, we'll do Romans and Hebrews, so just get ready for all that, okay? But we, we, we read this in, in Romans 5 where he compares the sin of Adam and the effect that it had upon all of us and the obedience of Jesus and the effect it had on all of us. But we think that sin is more powerful to affect us negatively than grace and Jesus' obedience has to affect us positively. And it's just the opposite. He says these things, these things are similar, but they're not alike. Because if sin had the power to kill you, how much more the grace of God to keep you? But it all boils down to believing that we're living as if we're one dimensional. If I, if, how about this? If I... If I sin, I must be a sinner. If I, if I want to sin, I must be a sinner. No. Oh, praise God. All right. Father, you're good to us. We don't want to stop, but we got to, Lord. So thank you for helping us tonight. Thank you, Father, for your wisdom. Answers. Oh, sweet Jesus, answers. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us. Thank you for... Lord, speaking to us, and Father, just the things that, that you have said to us tonight, Lord, I thank you that all kinds of other things are firing off, truth, wisdom, other questions that people have had now, Lord, they, they have a platform and a, and a baseline of truth to now be able to understand and answer, maybe in some cases, questions that they've had their whole lives. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing in us, through us, with us, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, your love, know that you love. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us online. Good things coming.